0: podcast i'm dr john cook i'm so glad you joined us today as we continue our series on systematic theology 2. this is part 7 of lesson number 30. we continue our lesson on the doctrine of eschatology that is the doctrine of last things in our study today we are going to see what the bible says about israel and about the devil in tribulation we will also see the devil cast down to this earth. He will no longer be able to accuse Christians to our Heavenly Father. And my, what a joy that will be. We are going to see that our victory is through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll get into our study right after this. As we come to our study, we find that John speaks of the great white throne judgment as being in the past. For the four and twenty elders rejoice that the judgment of the dead is past. Listen to what they say. And the time of the dead that they should be judged. This is spoken of in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and 12. Notice who is judged in verse 18 and compare it with what we read in verses 11 and 12. Of chapter twenty, at the great white throne judgment, says, and I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. Then as we continue in Revelation, it says that thou shouldst give unto thy servants the prophets and to the saints, and them that fear thy name small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. These are the tribulation saints who are rewarded for having obeyed the gospel message. The gospel message that was declared by the angel flying in the midst of heaven in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 and 7. Listen to what he says. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation, and kindred, and tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him, that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. These are told to worship, fear, and to give glory to God. Fearing the Lord's name is the only thing that will cause a believer in the tribulation period to endure to the end, which is absolutely necessary at that time. Do you doubt that statement? Well, turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22. And it says very plainly, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. This is the scripture that Jehovah's Witnesses today take out of context to teach their false doctrine. Anyone that seeks to get saved by enduring to the end today will go straight to hell. For only by the grace of God and the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ can we get saved today. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This then points out the importance of understanding dispensational truths. So what we have here is the 4 and 20 elders looking back on the millennial reign of Christ and the great white throne judgment. So at this point, we are standing somewhere in eternity, looking back then with the four and twenty elders. We are going to rejoice at the victory with them that the Savior has won for us. John tells us in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testimony. There were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. Now we've returned to what we read in Revelation chapter 15, at the end of the tribulation. This is the third woe, and includes all that follows down to the end of chapter 19. This is the concluding of the tribulation. Now we begin again through the tribulation, And this time we are going to be looking at events that happen in the tribulation, which take place during Daniel's 70th week. So go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1, and let's see what it says. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, who is this woman? Some say it's Mary, the mother of Jesus but this doesn't hold up. Others try to say it's the church, but again, that doesn't hold up. Well, let's let the scripture answer the question as to who this woman is. Look at Genesis chapter 37, verses 9 through 10. We read that, and he dreamed yet another dream, this is Joseph, and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I, the sun, Israel, and thy mother, the moon, Rachel, and thy brethren, the stars, his brothers, indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth so when we look at scripture and compare scripture with scripture we see that this woman is israel verse 2 says she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered this is speaking of israel bringing forth the lord jesus Jesus is the seed of the woman spoken of in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. When God curses the the serpent, in that curse God says, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Her seed speaks of the virgin birth. It, her seed, shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel, her seed. Notice that it is her seed that that is to bruise the serpent's head, not her. I make this point because some teach the false doctrine that Mary is the one that shall bruise the serpent's head. In fact, I've seen that pictured when I lived in Quebec. We went to uh, one of the big Roman Catholic churches there, Notre Dame Cathedral. In Montreal, Quebec. And in it, they had statues representing the Lord. And they showed Mary crowned as Queen of Heaven. And it was her foot that was upon the head of the serpent. And that disagrees with Scripture because it's his heel and it's her seed, not her, her seed that shall bruise the serpent's head. Jesus is also called the seed of Abraham in Hebrews 2 and verse 16. Jesus comes out of Mary in reference to his human parentage. Now look at Revelation chapter 12 verses 3 through 5. There we read in verse 3, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 identifies this dragon as the devil and Satan. John goes on to tell us that this dragon has seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. The seven heads represent the seven kingdoms that Satan uses to control this earth. So now we know that the dragon is Satan, the god of this world. In verse 4 of chapter 12, it tells us, And his tail, the red dragon's tail, drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and it cast them to the earth. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9 identifies those that he drew out of heaven as being his angels. These are the angels that joined the devil in his rebellion against God. And thus are cast out with him. Then we read And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man child, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's the Messiah. And her child was caught up unto God into his throne. The devil. Seeks to destroy Jesus before his birth, even before he was born, and at his birth, and then at the cross. For it is Jesus who shall sit on his throne and rule the nations with a rod of iron. But the devil does not get his way with the Savior, for the Savior is resurrected after Calvary and ascends to heaven. Now, At this point in time in Revelation, Satan is cast to the earth and sets out to destroy Israel, the people of God. He hates Israel with an eternal hatred and does everything possible to destroy them. We see then in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 6 that the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath the place prepared of God. God has prepared a place for her, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. Israel, the woman, flees into the wilderness in the midst of Daniel's 70th week to a place that God has prepared for her. There, God feeds her and protects her until the end of the tribulation. It's believed that the place that Israel will flee to is the red city of Petra, that that will be Israel's city of refuge. Some Bible teachers say that the cities of refuge in Israel were a type of this city of refuge. So God is going to bring Israel into the wilderness. There he is going to feed her just like he did in their deliverance from Egypt. This is the time that Jesus warned Israel of in Matthew chapter 24. There in verses 20 and 21, Jesus tells them to pray. Look at it. Listen to what the word of God says. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. This then brings us to Revelation chapter twelve, verses seven through nine. What we read about there is that there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels are cast out with him. In heaven there will be rejoicing at the joy that our accuser, the devil, has been cast out, that that old serpent no longer can accuse us before God our Father. So what does he do? He attacks Israel with a fierceness unrivaled by any other attack that he has ever brought against Israel at any other time. The devil is going to go after Israel, the Israel of God. For it is they at that time that shall keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is a war that ends with the devil being cast down to this earth. Now, I want to point out some facts that are revealed in these verses. First is the fact that the devil today goes into heaven and accuses us before our heavenly Father. In that day, he will no longer be able to accuse us to our Father. There will be rejoicing in heaven. Second, it's the devil that deceives this world today. In that day, the devil will be cast out to the earth. And that is when he is going to go after Israel, because Israel is his sworn enemy. Third, the devil hates Israel and does all he can today to destroy her. But his hatred will only become more and more pronounced when he is cast down to this earth. In that day, when he is cast down to this earth, He'll go after Israel with great wrath. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 tells us, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Again, the devil goes into heaven today. And accuses us before our Heavenly Father. But in that day, he will no longer be able to accuse us to our Father. He will have no access to heaven. And this will bring great rejoicing in heaven. This is prophetic. It points to a future fulfillment. Of that, there's no doubt. Revelation 12 and verse 11 gives the source of the victory over the devil. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Victory is found in the blood of the lamb. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood can we have victory. There is a further element here, for the scripture goes on to say, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. What does this reveal to us? Well, this shows us that the tribulation saints that are being revealed here are saved through the blood, through their testimony, and through enduring to the end. They endure to the end even if it means their lives are forfeited. The death spoken of here is the death of the martyrs in the tribulation period, which by all accounts will be by decapitation, off with their heads, if you will. The fall of the devil, his being cast down to the earth, brings great wrath from the devil because he knows he has but a short time. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 12 says, therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. God pronounces woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Satan's being cast out of heaven is good news to the saints, but to this world, it's really, really bad news, which we see by the words of this scripture. This should serve as a warning to all that choose to serve the devil in his world today. That you are going to see the devil at his worst in the midst of the tribulation. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 13 brings us back to how the devil is going to attack Israel in all his wrath. Look at the scripture. Consider what it says. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth. He persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness and into her place. In Exodus 19 and verse 4, God says to Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagle's wings and brought you unto myself. So Once again, God is going to do the same thing for Israel when he delivers them from the devil. Not only will God deliver them as before, but he will nourish them, feed them as before. And that miraculously, just like before. Because the scripture goes on to say where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. That's the last three and a half years from the face of the serpent. God fed Israel in the wilderness with angels' food. He sent them meat to the full, Psalm 78, verse 25. So God is going to do it again, and it's going to be for three and a half years, just like God promises. In Revelation chapter 12, verses 15 and 16, we read, and the serpent cast out of his mouth, water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So he's going to try to defeat and destroy Israel with a flood, but the earth is going to open up and swallow that flood, We're reminded here once again in these scriptures of how Satan absolutely hates Israel because here he seeks to prevent their flight with a flood. But God is going to use the earth itself to help Israel by opening up the earth and swallowing the water. You understand God delivered Israel when she fled from Egypt so God is going to deliver Israel as she flees into the wilderness. The devil declares open warfare on Israel. Look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Listen to what the scripture says. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. These of Israel are the remnant that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ the scripture identifies these Jews as the ones who keep the law of Moses and put their faith in Jesus as their Messiah. Remember, Satan hates all that seek to serve the one and only true and living God. Now, some Bible teachers believe that the devil hates Israel because they are promised that they shall inherit the earth. This is a promise that points to the fact that he's going to lose big time, like all that do not want the will of God accomplished. He seeks to destroy God and when he can't destroy God, then he sets about seeking to make God a liar. How does he do that? By destroying Israel, God's peculiar people. When we come to Revelation chapter 13, John sees another beast. This one rises up out of the sea. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. This beast that John sees rising up out of the sea is a man, a king. He represents a kingdom. He's like a leopard with feet like a bear. He has a mouth like a lion, but he gets his power from the dragon. So, this is a combination of the world's kingdoms. The scriptures tell us that this world is being run by the rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. Today, according to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, this is why no matter who we elect, nothing changes. Because the outer rulers is not the problem. It's the power behind the throne, which are spiritual powers a good example of that is the angel that was sent to Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10 and verse 20, he speaks of returning to fight with the prince of Persia, an unseen power behind the visible throne in Persia. So we find here that the power of this beast comes from that old serpent, the dragon. He's the power behind the throne. The important word to keep in mind is the word like. For this beast is a man that is like the leopard, bear, and lion. But he is not the leopard, bear, or lion. Daniel, in Daniel chapter 9, speaks of seeing four beasts come up up out of the great sea. Daniel's four beasts are a leopard, a lion, a bear, and a nondescript beast. The sea here is believed to be the Mediterranean Sea. The center of this message revolves around Israel. Daniel's beast and John's are the same, in that the nondescript beast that Daniel saw is the dragon spoken of by John. Look at Daniel chapter 7 and verse 17 where we read these great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Then look at verse 23 of chapter 7 of Daniel. Thus he said the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth which shall be diverse from all the kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. The four kingdoms are Persia, greece rome and the kingdom of the antichrist verse 22 of daniel chapter 7 says until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the most high and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom this is where it all is going to end in this world The beast seen in Revelation chapter 13 verses 1 and 2 is not identical with the beast of Revelation chapter 12. The beast in Revelation 12 is Satan. In Revelation 13, it is the Antichrist. Satan then gives his power to the Antichrist. John tells us in chapter 13 and verse 3, And I saw one of his heads, as it were, Wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the wo- and all the world wondered after the beast. This word "and" connects the vision to the vision in verses one and two. One of the heads of this beast is cut off and wounded. The wound was a deadly wound, but was healed. One of the nations that was cut off is restored, and takes over. The world is so amazed at the restoration of the wounded head that they worship the beast. Look at verse 4. It says, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? In fact, they proclaim that there is none like the beast. This world truly makes gods out of men. So this world is nothing but idolaters in their worship of men. Verse 5 of Revelation chapter 13 and 6. Verse 5 and 6 of Revelation chapter 13 says, And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. He is proud, knowing nothing, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 4 tells us. There is no fear of God before his eyes, as the psalmist says in Psalms 36 and verse 1. He is a blasphemer of God and all that is holy, much like the world in which we live. Only worse, God gives him leave to make war with the saints of the tribulation. Look at verse 7 of Revelation chapter 13. It says, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints, and to overcome them, and power was given unto him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Even though he is given his power by the devil, he can do nothing unless the Lord allows it. And so we see here that God allows him just so much power. Verse 8 tells us in Revelation chapter 13, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The men of that day worshiped this man and his blasphemy and his blasphemy. They worship him because they have rejected the gospel message. Verses 9 and 10 calls on the hearer to heed what he hears. Here's what it says. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Listen up, take heed. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. God tells the persecutors the outcome of their persecution. Here is the patience and faith of the saints, God says. God's message to them is what keeps the believer in the tribulation going, enduring to the end, knowing that the world and its wickedness shall be called to account one day. As the old message said, Payday, someday. Or as one old preacher said, God doesn't pay on the 1st and the 15th, but he pays. Of that you can be certain. So hear and take heed. So in our lesson on part 7, we've seen what the Bible says about Israel and the devil in the tribulation. How the devil is going to be cast down to this earth and will no longer be able to accuse Christians to our Heavenly Father. We've seen how God is going to care for Israel in that day, just as he did in the day that he brought Israel out of Egypt. We have been reminded that our victory is through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his precious blood. Truly, deliverance will come. So join us again for lesson number eight in our continuing study of Systematic Theology two. Of lesson number thirty on the doctrine of last things. Until then, God bless. Hey, this is John Cook again. I want to thank you for joining us in this podcast. I encourage you to join us in the next podcast as we continue our series on systematic theology too. Hey, while you're here. Why don't you click that subscribe button and follow us, and you'll be notified just as soon as another podcast is released. Appreciate it. God bless.